Shall we discuss whether or not we're going to do another James Patterson? Patterson. Because there is that Christmas one. Is it out already? This year, while we're enjoying the warmth of Christmas, the Women's Murder Club will be out in the cold chasing killers. About a women's crime club. The Women's Murder Club is back. Read 19th Christmas. Should we actually read it? Well, I've come up with an ingenious idea that I'm going to call James Patterson Bingo. Merry 19th Christmas, ladies. I'm pretty sure I came up with that idea. Here we are again, Adam. In this Sisyphean hell that we call the James Patterson Bingo. Yep. Uh, Part eight. It's only going to get more chilly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it depends how much we get through. We, I could start speed reading. I did also think as well, I mean, we're eight episodes in. I don't know why I haven't suggested in the past. We could swap <laughs> if you like. Uh, no, I'd rather not. I don't want, to, not. I don't want to taint my eyes. If I've tainted my ears, and save my Fair eyes. Enough. You'd also um, have to I th- taint your Kindle. or have to buy a Kindle. Oh, you can just get it on your phone. Do you think I'd buy th- a Kindle to read James Patterson? I think every episode has started so far with us coming up with an idea that we should have had ages ago. That's true. Or completely changing our tune on whether or not we do a recap or um, <laughs> saying something that's completely untrue, like, uh, this is the first <laughs> episode like- of a new series. <laughs> oh, have, have, have we done that on, a, on like episode four? Yeah. Brilliant. Total channels. Nothing but quality programming over at Eerie Dist Towers. I think, actually, the start of this episode had a much more homely um, feel because it started off air with you going to check on some baked potatoes. Check check my baked potatoes weren't (laughs) on fire. Were they singing the song? They were not singing the song, I'm afraid. That's how you know they're done when they start singing the song. If this is the first James Patterson bingo episode you're listening to, on this show, Adam and I are reading a chapter of a James Patterson novel called 19th Christmas, but not in order. It's now May. It's now May. <laughs> yeah, we did start it at Christmas. <laughs> uh, God, I hope we finish it before this Christmas. I hope um, we finish it around this Christmas. It'd be rather fitting. Yeah, well, we can try. I was about to say no. No. I was about to say we can try and make sure that happens, but actually we'd have to really step it up. I think <laughs> I, think I tried to work it out the other day and it would be like... No, I'm trying to find 30 weeks that aren't there. Oh, okay. How many more? Uh, I can't remember. I, I think I did a rough calculation, which was hopefully wrong. The um, the, uh, the, the next step of this then is I, I generate a random number and we march on towards yep. our doom. And the final step is we come up with some kind of pithy summary. Let's stick to the um, rule we initiated recently. I can't remember which one, where we keep at least one of these three chapters. To a single word. Today. Uh, one word, yeah to keep it snappy right. have we done i have the list of the chapters we have already done right have we done for fuck's sake this is the second or third episode in a row where the first number of generated has been 19 yeah we've done that have we done 76 no because we haven't done any 70s really none at all is this the first block of 10 that we've not yet penetrated do you mean the last yes no, because we haven't done any between one and ten. Oh, that's going to be a roller coaster. I don't think it really is, yeah. Or just a total bore because we've worked it all out. Um, 
And we haven't done any 40s either. Right. Let's have 76 then. Okay. Chapter 76. Oh. Hertz. Oh? Hertz. Hertz. It's a fucking new character, Adam. The car rental company. <laughs> Hertz and four SWAT commandos in full tack gear came through the open doorway and the fake cops dropped their weapons. Wow. Fake? Wow. Okay, okay that, that's the most action-packed first sentence we've had in a while. That's usually the kind of sentence that he ends on. God, something might happen. Yeah. Okay. They were thrown to the floor hard and then frisked and cuffed. Their guns were taken into safekeeping. The automated voice came on. Doors closing. Please hold on. <laughs> oh, it's automated. It's not necessarily a robot, is it? I prefer it to be a robot. <laughs> Hertz opened a compartment near the door and threw a switch. Uh, a faint electric hum I hadn't noticed before went quiet. Well, he's called Hertz. <laughs> this train would not be going anywhere. I knelt beside the victim on the floor. Oh, right, they're on a train. They, on a, they appear to be on a train. I knelt beside the, victi beside the victim on the floor. What's your name? Sandy. Do we know a Sandy? No, we have absolutely no... This is not being anchored to the story yet. This could be from a completely different book. I, I'm worried I've know. actually gone on to the trailer for the next book. If it is called, if it is a character called Sandy, based on what happened last time, I'm going to say they're called something like Sandy Sheets. Oh, God, was it bub bubbling? Bubbling. What was it? Bub bubbling waters. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake. Sandy Shores. Sandy Shores, yeah. Take it easy, Sandy. We'll have an ambulance here fast. Who shot you? He took one of his bloody hands away from his side and he gestured towards the crumpled body of the headless cop behind him. Oh, it's like it's like the headless horseman. It's a spooky headless cop. The injured man groaned and said, "Him. Why did he shoot you?" I rushed him. Your military? He nodded. He was going pale, and there was a good chance he would bleed out. Conklin, hooray! Hey, finally a character. Leaned down and told the injured man that he had called for EMTs. I've called for EMTs. They're in the terminal now, on their way up to you. While I took USMC Sergeant Sanford Friedman's contact information... So that's Sandy. Sanford Fre Sandy Friedman's. That's, that's, that's not as ridiculous as Bubbling Waters and not as ridiculous as I was hoping. No, that's, that's a bit of a letdown, actually. Hertz ID'd the phony cops and the sobbing, shell-shocked passengers collapsed against one another. I'm not fucking surprised. There's a headless man. Do you reckon this is one of the fake... Yes. I think this is one like, of the fake... False flags? I think this is one of the ones they were... One of the jobs they were pulling to divert attention away from what they're actually up to, which I think is him escaping on a plane. Mm. But Hertz was holding the fake cops for Homeland Security. They were standing with their faces against the wall, and I noticed that one of them was trembling. Had no head. <laughs> a character in a James Patterson book that has no head would definitely have dialogue. <laughs> he talks out of his neck. He would definitely be capable of James Patterson dialogue. <laughs> He was a big, imposing monster of a guy, but he looked to be the weakest link. After he'd puked, I told Hertz, I want this one. Jesus, we've, we've missed an absolute fucking slaughter. I want, yeah. What happened in chapter 75? I really want to get 75 oh. now. I think we should uh, pin all our hopes on 75 being the one chapter. Being the most exciting chapter in the book. Yeah. Conklin and I took the guy, who was definitely not a cop, to the far end of the train, and I said... Tell me about Loman. Oh, here we fucking go. Here we go. I can't. 
He didn't say, I don't know who you're talking about, or you, you guys just killed him. The fake cop said, I can't. James, 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 James Patterson highlights his own writing technique. Yeah. <laughs> James, James, James Patterson highlights his own inference by telling you what they could have said instead of incriminating themselves. That's like uh, midway through an interrogation scene in an episode of CSI, just pausing and a narrator coming on going, uh, did you see when I asked him that, he scratched his nose and looked guiltily. <laughs> well, think on. <laughs> Conklin and I kept him on the train as the flood of law enforcement cleared it. EMTs followed moments later and got the injured man onto a stretcher. When Conklin and the I... The injured man being the one with no head. <laughs> it's only so much you can do for a man with no head. Hang in there, man. You're going to make it. <laughs> when Conklin and I were alone with the bulked up dude, I said in a motherly tone... I want to help you. I'm Sergeant Lindsay Boxer. What's your name? Ah, uh, women policemen, eh? All they can be is mothers. Yeah, uh, and that's it. I kind of forgot that it was going to be a female narrator. I, I sort of thought that was a guy talking just because this whole book has been... Just because this whole book is from the perspective of men. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That was a very short, violent... Wait, what? One. Yeah. That was like a page and a half. Yeah. That was... What? It was only... It Fine. was literally a page and a half. For fuck's sake. Okay, so basically what, what we got there is we got, you know, we, we're randomly skipping through the movie and we got the the five minutes after the enormous $20 million budget shootout happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. All right. Do you, do you what, what if chapter 75 ends with and then we rush the train carriage? And then there's an assumed time skip where none of the action actually occurs. I'm horribly sure you're right. I'm sure that's what's going to happen. All right. Shall we pray to the random number generator that we get something interesting? Well, yeah, except we also need to give this one a quick oh, title. Uh, my vote is for the, the legend of the headless cop. I was just going to put headless cop. We're not going to Headless cop. Headless cop. Okay, yeah, back to the number generator. Uh, we have... 50, on the nose. Mm. Sorry, he's written so many fucking chapters that it's really hard to press one with my thumb. <laughs> because it's just so dense. It's very chapters. crowded. Yeah. Okay, 50. Um, oh, I forgot to give the proximate, proximate chapters last time. The ones closest to this one that we've done are 52 and 58. <laughs> the titles of which are The Lemon Walks and, in all caps, <laughs> The Worst Chapter Yet. <laughs> Which I can't remember what I that was. I actually can't remember what that is. <laughs> must have been pretty bad, though. It must have been awful. That was probably walking to the courtroom, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Although I feel like we've had worse. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, chapter 50. We three cops of Orient are... <laughs> no, we three cops stood in the foyer as CSI's Lieutenant Hallows... Lieutenant Hallows. ...filled us in on... On the fresh new crime scene. That's weird, because I, I just talked about CSI. Here they are. CSI's Lieutenant Hallows filled us in on the fresh new crime scene. Oh, fresh. Still got its factory seal on. Yeah, it's creepy, isn't he, Hallows, already? My first impression is that this is the work of professionals. The dead man is Arnold Sloan, store manager at Milano's Fine Jewellery. Oh, hang about. We've, we, we've, we've heard that name before, definitely. Have we? I think so. Oh. Did they talk about hitting a jewellery store? I think so. Maybe that was it. I think this, this is... We may have landed on yet another one of the 
false leads. I don't think if we were reading this properly, we would remember the sheer number of names that get thrown your way. I don't think it's the randomized way of reading it that's making that confusing. We actually have more of a shot of reading two chapters in a row <laughs> where the same character is mentioned than if you were reading it properly. I think that's actually thrown us off because we, we've assumed people are significant when they actually aren't. <laughs> we've just had all of their chapters and there's some major characters we've not even met yet. Yeah. Sloane has finished... His, uh, sorry, store manager at Milano's Fine Jewelry. Sloane has finished his dinner for one and refilled his wine glass and that's when someone rings the doorbell. He either looks through the peephole or is expecting company. In any case, he knows this person, or more likely, persons. They come in and they push it, or they push in, hold a gun to him, duct tape him to the chair, gag him with a t-shirt. Then they go through the rooms. I said, it was a robbery? Hallows nodded. (laughs) No, it was a a family visit. It was a prank. (laughs) It It was a social experiment. Hallows nodded. Looks like it. They threaten Mr. Sloan and he gives up the safe combination. The safe is in his uh, the, sorry, the safe in his den was opened without tools or explosives. And there's a little gratuitous vandalism. <laughs> that sounds like the work of Dr. Gadgets to me. Yeah. Just etching a tiny little cock and balls on the safe with his hook hand. <laughs> gratuitous vandalism. Uh, either staging a robbery scene for our benefit or working out a grudge. So they break up his stuff, take a knife to the pictures, and slice up his clothes. Some sadism here, I think. Hmm. Hmm. He's got quite the imagination, hasn't he, Lieutenant Hallows? What if it was him? <laughs> I was just sort of imagining that this, um, this CSI guy is just very obviously wearing the skin of a CSI guy. <laughs> and they haven't noticed. Yeah, just like holding himself up in a corner to stop the forehead slipping off. <laughs> he knows what's going on. Maybe, prepare, maybe praying that after they rob him, they'll leave. Or what? He knows what's going to happen. He can't even bargain with them. So he sits in the chair and then they go ahead and shoot him. Fuck. Jesus, that's bleak. Uh, Hallows is a tough old dog, but he was disturbed by what he had seen. I think more like excited. I am now much preferring to imagine him as an actual old dog in a trench coat. <laughs> like McGruff the crime dog. Wearing the skin of a CSI agent. <laughs> Damn psychos. He shook his head. And the face fell off. (laughs) I looked past Hallows and saw the body of an older man duct taped to an upholstered armchair, a gag made out of a t-shirt tied around his head. Three gunshot wounds bloomed red on his pyjamas. Three seems a bit excessive. Hallows said shell casings were removed by the shooters. They were careful. Maybe we'll have something for you to go on in a couple of days. Right. Here's my first problem with this whole crime scene business. Yeah. So they've said gratuitous vandalism. They've sliced his clothes up a bit, but they've tidied up the shell casings and they're also professionals. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they're presumably looking at it. But I find it odd that they even mentioned the little gratuitous vandalism before they started talking about the murder. Hmm. You know, like, who cares at this point? Orders of magnitude. Yeah. Jacoby said, thanks, Lieutenant. Can you give us the tour? I realised with a shock that we were the damned primaries on this homicide. This was our case, mine and Conklin's. We walked past the techs processing... uh, Sorry, we walked past the techs processing the living room, making sketches for the layout, putting down the markers next to the blood spatter, shooting photos and taking prints. You know, CSI stuff. Please tell me that was in the book. I wish. Oh, 
It might as well have been. <laughs> Hallows brought us to the bedroom and showed us the empty safe in the closet and the slashed clothing. We went back to the living room, walking carefully behind Hallows, seeing the horror of a cold professional murder done at close range. Do, profe- do professionals shoot people three times? Yeah, I was going to say, they famously have the double tap, don't they? Or the uh, the coup de gras, not <laughs> three shots to the pyjamas. It just, I don't, I, I don't know, you just, you, you don't get to the pyjama shot. I, I, I just don't think you get to write it both ways with slashed up clothes and a bit of gratuitous vandalism and then also say they're professional hitmen. Is what he's, I have a feeling what he's leading up to is that they were, they were cold-blooded professionals who made a ham-fisted attempt to make it look like a crime of passion, perhaps. Ah, uh, let's see if it gets that clever. I'm not going to hold my breath. We went back to the living room, walking carefully behind Hallows, seeing the horror of a cold professional murder done at close range. When the Emmys Tex came to remove the body, we got out of the way. Once Conklin, Jacoby and I were standing outside in the dark again, I asked Jacoby, say the tipster wasn't blowing smoke. What's Sloane's connection to Loman? Jesus. <laughs> jargon, jargon, jargon. But such, such folksy jargon, you know? Oh, absolutely. Say the tipster wasn't blowing smoke. <laughs> Say that snitch wasn't beeping beans. Jacoby said, maybe somehow Loman knew that Sloan might have millions in his safe. Really? Was this Loman's big heist? A man had been murdered and robbed, not in a museum or a bank or an art gallery, but in an 1,100 square foot condo in the Castro district. That mean anything to you? Not at all. I, is this in Boston? I think it is in Boston, yeah. Or is it San Francisco? It, I can't remember. American city. Yeah, America. Metroville. Metroville, US. If the killers had left anything of forensic value behind, CSI would find it. The whodunit detective work was going to be first up for, for SFPD. San Francisco. Who done it? Oh, you don't. Police. I don't think police say that, James. Conklin, you, I want that who done it on my desk by Friday. <laughs> I want. I want a Poirot style front room who done it point by by noon on Friday. Uh, so it's going to be first up for SFPD. We're in San Francisco, but Conklin and I were still on the Loman task force. We needed help to secure the crime scene right now. I conferred with my partner and then took Officer Thompson aside. As first officer, he and his partner could stand in as primaries until we had forensics. Until detectives are assigned, this is your case, officer, I said. Draft some uniforms and canvas the neighbourhood. Keep records of everything. Call me or Conklin if you get a lead. Will do, Sergeant. Jesus, this, honestly, this feels like someone playing with their police toys. You know what I mean? It's also... So we, we just had 76, and we're on fifth, we're back at 50, and in both chapters we've had somebody going, what about Lomond? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was this Lomond? 26 chapters. And to be honest... Is that what he's up to? I feel like we've already discovered that Lomond is a bit of a sad sack. Yeah, well, we, we've, we had the, um, we've already had the, the chapter where his wife chews him out in front of the cell block. Yeah. Do you remember, she's just a housewife. She wouldn't understand. She's just a housewife, <laughs> and they have a big old house in Zurich waiting for them. A Geneva, I think. Is it Geneva? I think so. It's wow. full of modern art. <laughs> that was it. It was just fucking full of modern art. Like, you open the door, and it just spills out. It's weird what you do remember. Yes. I do have an advantage on you in, in the editing. I have, yeah. When, when I hear it, I hear it for the first and only time. 
I was going to say, for you, it would, must just be like a fever dream every time we do these. Oh, completely. Until uh, detectives are assigned, this is your case, officer, I said. Draft some uniforms and canvas the neighbourhood. Keep records of everything. Call me or Conklin if you get a lead. Will do, Sergeant. I got into the squad car, called Brady and reported in. I thought of calling Joe, but it was too late. I leaned against the passenger car, passenger side window and dropped into a dream about Chris Dietz. Mm. Just got into a car and fell asleep. Yeah. Uh, dropped into a dream. Dropped into a dream. Fancy. Yeah. Dropped straight into, like, deep, <laughs> deep sleep. <laughs> That's professional. At the wheel. She is in the passenger side window. True. It is an American car, though. Oh, oh she's leaning against it. She might still be driving. <laughs> she's driving with her feet. Yeah. I was facing him down that long six-floor hallway, and he had tech nines pointed at me, one in each hand. My gun jammed. Dietz taunted me as I, he fired, and I knew this was finally it. Take this, copper! Death at the Anthony Hotel. Oh, so it's a... That was a flashback to the shootout of the hotel. Yeah. I was startled awake. It was still deep night. I was inside the squad car and Conklin was saying my name. What's wrong? I snapped at him. Time to go, he said. Sorry, Linz. We have to go. Oh. The more... The more we read, the less we know. I thought we had this all sewn up. Yeah. The one thing this desperately needed was a fucking dream sequence. Right, how are we, how are we summing this up? I think it has, it has to do with, um, it could be the, um, was it the, the, the pyjama, pyjama tap? What was it? The pyjama triple tap. <laughs> the pyjama triple tap. Yeah, I like that. It sounds like it might be a, an IPA or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a strong one. All right, let's have one more. One more. You got your generator. I do. Six. Holy shit. Okay. Oh, no, that's chapter five. Chapter six. Right, so this is by far the earliest. We're finally going to get some fucking context. You hope. Yeah. I mean, unpromisingly, Adam, it opens like, I I feel like about half of them have. (laughs) (laughs) Conklin and I faced each other across our abutting desks in the homicide squad room. The exasperation on his face mirrored my own. That's funny, because it sort of mirrors um, our faces over Zoom. (laughs) The robbery division was overworked in the first degree. Is that criminal, then? I guess so. Likewise, booking was packed to the walls. Conklin and I had caught this case, literally, and now we owned it. Hmm. Julian Lambert was in cuffs, swivelling distractedly. Julian Lambert? Yeah, back to him again swivelling distractedly in the side chair while we wrote him up for larceny, assault and battery and, for good measure, resisting arrest. And some loitering, um, gratuitous vandalism, D- um, the pyjama triple tap. Suicidal wanking, <laughs> which I think crops up later. Lambert handed over his driver, driver licence and answered our questions, telling us his full name and address and that he worked in the stockroom at Macy's. Just before I accessed our database to see if the guy Conklin and I had tagged as the Grant Avenue Dasher had a record, he made an announcement. I I didn't like any part of that. I'm on probation, he said. For what? I asked. Shoplifting from Best Buy. (laughs) I did four months and was let out on good behaviour, long as I don't screw up this year. My parole officer is a hard ass. If you don't violate me, I can help you out, he said. If you don't violate me. 
I think I think what he's trying to say is don't tell the parole officer that he's violated his parole. Not yeah. what it sounds. What like it sounds like is... is violating him because that's what it says. I asked, "How can you help us out exactly?" I've got some information to trade for a get out of get out of jail free pass. That's not how criminals speak. No, it isn't at all. Can you imagine if one did, if one tried that line? Hey, cops, I've got me a little get-out-of-jail-free card. If I give you some information, would you give me one of those get-out-of-jail-free passes? Oh, and by the way, this is how he chooses to uh, write that. Get-out-of-jail-free, one word. <laughs> space, pass. It's like, it, it, it's like he's never seen it written down. He's just heard it in mm. passing. I seriously doubted Lambert's claim, but what the hell? Let him try. I ran his name and found the arrest from three years ago, as well as his release for time served and his current ongoing probation. Conklin had read him his Miranda rights. He knew he could have an attorney present, but apparently didn't want one. We were free to hear what he had to say and use it against him, if there was anything worth using. Thanks for paraphrasing the Miranda rights. Everyone needs to hear those again. (laughs) We walked Lambert out of the bullpen and down the corridor to interview two, entered the small interrogation room and took seats at the scarred metal table. Adam, I think this is interrogation scene number 500. Oh, it's another interrogation. There's, James, there's more to police work than going to the scenes of shootouts and interrogating people. Yeah. Conklin said, OK, then, you see that mirror? Two way. This isn't my first time in the box. Uh, yes, all mirrors in interview rooms are two-way. It's not like it's a big fucking secret. It's not our first time around an interrogation scene, James Patterson. No, it's about 90, I think, at this point. Do you want to count the walls just to, you know, pad the word count a bit? <laughs> the interview room had four walls, a floor and a ceiling. <laughs> My interviewer had two shoes on. Both arms and a head. <laughs> Nothing else. Two shoes, two arms, and a head. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were also an old crime dog. We should write a uh, Mark Patterson novel which, by over-describing, it becomes surreal oh. through what it doesn't describe. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think that we could fart out a James Patterson book in about a week and a half. I don't think that distinguishes from, from anyone else. <laughs> from James Patterson. <laughs> I think the only difference is James Patterson farts them out James a bit Patterson quicker. farts out James Patterson, yeah. Takes him about three days. Conklin grinned. You probably think there's someone back there listening in, watching your body language, right? Yep. Lambert, Lambert waved at the glass and said, Joyeux fucking Noel, everyone. That well, means Merry my... fucking Christmas. James, thanks. Well, said my partner, you just waved at nobody. We're short staffed this week, so lay your cards on the table and there's a good chance we can move you along with a minimum of red tape. You could be out on bail by New Year's. Okay, but I'm supposed to go to Florida, to my mum's place in Vero Beach, the day after Christmas. I jumped in. Mr. Lambert, your victim is going to have something to say about your travelling across state lines. You threw an old man to the ground. (laughs) I don't know why I that, sorry. (laughs) Broke his nose and took about $2,800. Jesus Christ. About about $2,800. Oh, sorry. I thought he stole $2,800 off this old man. And took about $2,800 in Prada belts and Hermes ties. <sighs> Hermes, is that a thing? H-E-R? Probably. M-E- I, I, was, I think James Patterson knows more about 
designer ties than he does about police procedure. Probably. I think it's either Herme, Hem, Herms. Uh, sorry to tell you this, but that's grand larceny, and your victim is not feeling well disposed towards you. Last thing he said to us was, toss him in a dark cell and leave him there for good. <laughs> that is a one very vindictive old man, and that is not how people speak, James. I've I said know, this three it, times this episode. It sounds like something out of The Three Musketeers. Like it's so... It sounds like something a hacky screenwriter would put in their shit B-movie. But a hacky screenwriter from about 1910. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not it even... It is incredibly archaic. Usually old-fashioned. It's beyond it. I thought there was food in that bag. I swear, Julian Lambert said to the camera in the ceiling. But he'll get his property back, right? You thought there was food in a Prada, Prada and the famous Hermé Ties bag? I don't think so. Conklin said, yes, but you hurt him and traumatised him. You want us to help you, let's hear what you've got. Make it good and quick and truthful. <laughs> Make it quick and good and truthful. Make it good and quick and the truth, please. That's all I ask. All I ask is that you give me exactly what I want quickly and truthfully. That's it, thank God. Um, I am a bit lost for words. I think that's one of the grimmer ones we've done as a, as a three. Yes, those have been... Those have basically been prime examples of everything that's wrong with the way James Patterson wrote. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, I don't want to defend what is obviously a horrific idea for um, content, but sometimes it feels like they are kind of, it's effortless to try and find what's funny about them. And other times it really does feel like we're doing something deeply inadvisable and grim. And sometimes it's more in the suffering ledger than the comedy, isn't it? Some days you wake up and you have a... Sometimes you wake up and you have a bubbling waters. Yeah. Sometimes you have a headless cop. Yeah, you true. Know. Um, right, how are, we, how are we summing that up? Well, one word if possible. Um, <laughs> get hyphen out hyphen of hyphen jail hyphen Actually, you know what? Free. Just jail free, one word, because we're just following the example set by the master. And I will remember that because that is fantastically stupid. Okay, well, it wasn't pretty, but we did it. Another skirmish into potentially the book I hate most in the entire world. Yeah. Do you think we should order a physical copy just for the satisfaction of no. destroying it at the end of all this? No. I think I, I, I think I can ever justify the destruction of a book, but I also... Well, I could. I, I, I have no I, qualms. <laughs> I, I couldn't justify giving James Patterson any money for this pile of shit. Mm. I still have a copy of um, Haunted, I realised. I thought I'd chucked it, but I still have it from, from last year or whenever it was we did it. Was it the year before last, in fact? Um, I think, I don't know, I think, I think it's, it's important to remind ourselves why we're doing this. And I think it's because, for me anyway, it is, very, it is insulting <laughs> that James Patterson writes these books and treats his audience with such contempt it is yeah and so and we're demonstrating how insulting that is by sharing our suffering with the world um yep i think that today and, was a and, very and, yeah. grim representation of, of just how bad it can get there are serious works of literature that have received less scrutiny than we're giving this fucking james patterson <laughs> christmas novel 
Well, there'll be some kind of serious book episode out soon, so you can wash your mouth out with that. Um, after which we will come back with another instalment of this um, horrific enterprise. <laughs> Until then, yeah. stay safe. Goodbye. And farewell. <laughs>